news for a Waffle Butt Media podcast. What's poppin', Schweg Nation? Welcome to this episode of the Schwegcast. Like always, I am your host, Sam Schwegler. You, Sam, Sammy, Schweg, Schwegler, Schweezy, whatever you want to call me. One thing I did realize that moving to Nashville, people call me Sam a lot more than Schwegler, which I kind of got used to, and I just kind of realized, I'm like, oh yeah, no one calls me Schwegler anymore. So, but regardless of what you want to call me, welcome to this episode. Uh, I'm glad you're listening. Uh, you're awesome. And you know what? Just thank you so much. If you end up liking this show and you're new, feel free to subscribe, give us a like, and, uh, you know, tell the whole world about us. That'd be, that'd be really cool. And if you ever feel so obligated, please go on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast on, leave us a review and, uh, you know, give us a five-star rating or whatever you feel like this show needs and if you also like this show go check out waffle butt media this show is brought to you by and uh, go check out bruising the boys and america the podcast uh, america the podcast is gearing up for their war on christmas episodes so you're not going to want to miss that today on the show i have josh gray uh, me and josh have a cool conversation uh day after the cma has happened i believe is when we recorded this interview so we talked a lot about you know sturgill simpson busking at the cmas and what that means and about you know music being a little less perfect and how we need that and uh also uh one thing we talk about is uh writer's rounds in nashville which is really cool and so you are not going to want to miss that so don't touch that dial in the meantime you know that dial on that you know touchscreen smartphone you definitely do not want to touch that and so yeah and so, oh i do want to talk about some things first First of all, my parents are going to be on our December 27th episode, my December 27th episode, December 27th, not the 27th episode, I think, yeah, it's not going to be the 27th episode. Anyways, so they're going to be on the show, I'm going to be interviewing them with kind of our Christmas special for this show, so if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, that's at the Schwedcast, and send me a message of what you want to ask my parents about, you know, raising a child who's trying to grow up in the music industry, who moved away, and all that stuff like that. It's going to be a really fun conversation. I'm really excited. My dad said, sure, on the interview. My mom said, maybe. So I'm assuming it's still going to happen. I'm going to have to force you like I do with uh, most of my friends. So we'll see how that goes. But also, another th cool thing I want to talk about, my friends, Melissa and Anna, I think I'm allowed to call them my friends, are doing this super cool thing. What they're doing is you can, they set up on their website for Imaginarium that you can buy a coat for a child who needs one in the Nashville area. I mean, there's so many kids right now who don't have a quality jacket or like have to wear two jackets or something like that, it, two small jackets. It's really insane. And so, you know, here's what you can do. Here's what it says on their website. The average cost of a quality winter coat is $37. At Imaginarium, we are working to provide 71 coats for students at a local elementary school in Nashville, Tennessee, to keep them warm this winter. What can you do to help give a coat and spread the warmth? You may ask. Well, here you go. If you want to be awesome for a child in need, you can go to imaginarium.live slash coats to buy a child in Nashville a coat. And great thing. And we're going to have the link in the description of this episode. So if you are interested, it's just $37. You know, I bought one. And uh, you know what? I'm happy that someone gets a coat. I mean, like $37 is nothing. So for a coat, and then that means a child's not going to be cold this winter. Like, that's a great, great thing. I suggest all of you go ahead and do that. Also, I want to talk about my friend and pal, Roger Yeager. He just released a new music video for his song, Just Want to Meet You. Roger was on episode 12 back in March. We talked about his music video for his song, Elevator. That was really cool, and I love that music video, and I also really love this music video, too. That Elevator was more of a rock track, and this one was like this mellow, acoustic pop vibe, which I really love. It's just something really chill, and it's a really great love song indeed. I love the cinematography of the music video. I love it when music videos have like this feel of like an indie film. I think that's the direction music videos are going into, and I absolutely love it. I love that idea. And like always, you know, the people behind those music videos for Roger are always phenomenal. And, you know, what can I say? Then go check it out. Just go to Roger Yeager Music on Facebook. You can also check out episode 12 of the Schwedcast. We talk 
to him more about I talked to him more about his music in general. So if you do want to know more about Roger, but yeah, go check out his music video for Just Want to Meet You. Go on the YouTube in a world full of music video or video mediums. Uh, this is a video that you need to watch and go check it out. So let's talk about today's sponsors on the show. Let's first talk about Lyft. The free Lyft app gets users to ride in minutes on demand for less than the cost of a cab. Whether it's for a fun night out at the bars or to avoid paying for parking at that next concert you go to, Lyft has you covered. You can use promo code SCHWEGCAST, S-C-H-W-E-G-C-A-S-T, when signing up and you get a $15 ride credit towards your first ride. That's promo code SCHWEGCAST for that $15 ride credit. You also need to go check out DistroKid. DistroKid gets your music out to multiple online retailers and saves you the hassle. This is great for artists who write original music and also if you want to upload a cover. They'll even get you that license you need for that cover to save you the hassle. DistroKid is actually what I use for my music and I can personally vouch for how fantastic they are so I can say that you're not going to get ripped off if you do sign up for DistroKid. You can get 7% off your first year by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Schwedcast and if you didn't write that down immediately we're going to have that link in the description of this episode as well so you better do it. Sign up for DistroKid. Get that. Get your music out there. Let's Let's make music great again, you know? all the world in Trump's America. We need to make music at least good. So we're going to go to my episode with Josh and like always in the meantime, stay awesome. So you got a show tonight, I'm assuming? Uh, yeah, I'm playing a little writer's round kind okay. of thing. Okay, where, where at? It's at this new spot in East Nashville, um, Noble's Kitchen. Okay. I um, haven't, um, I think this is only like the second or third time they're doing music there. So. Okay, because you hear a lot of like uh, like writer's round, I mean, they happen all the time here, but. Yeah, I haven't so. done one in like a year, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I figured I'd do this thing. I'm going to debut a new song, so. Yeah, I always like want to do writer's rounds but then i like never like do like the effort to put more effort to actually like trying to plan like my own shows like actual yeah. shows than like writer's rounds like man i should really do those and then just like oh, i'll look into those tonight and, like find one to do and then you just don't yeah i mean this is gonna piss people off me saying this but uh is this that right early in the show so you gotta piss people <laughs> yeah, off yeah so writer's rounds i mean there's i guess there's two two types of people who mm-hmm. play writer's rounds it's either people who want to do the songwriting thing, but not really the performing thing mm-hmm. or people who are new to the city. Okay. I mean, that's really, those are the reasons to do I mean, like, around. yeah, that makes sense. Cause a lot, it couldn't mean it's a big songwriting city. So obviously like you need those, like how else do like songwriters who are just songwriting, not perform, like kind of get themselves out there. Uh, yeah. I guess they just, I mean, it's a way to put songs out there and kind of see what kind of reception mm-hmm. you get. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it worked. Cause I know with like people who do stand up comedy, like they, they do like those open mics, stand ups, and stuff like that because they have to try out new material. Where I feel like mu- music is a little bit easier in most cases to try out new material than it is for like a uh, like a comedian. Yeah, and they're just like okay. Well, like with like music, I know if you're doing like okay, I got like a thirty minute set tonight. Let's try this new song, see what people like about it, and then it's like it, it works well. Like you can do that with like comedy. It's like you keep doing it, you, you're like, you're doing your jokes, you know, kill. And then you're like, okay, let's try this new one. And then like, if it's bad, it's like, uh, ruins the momentum of the, uh, like the whole performance. But with music, I guess you can, you can pick yourself back up easily from that. Like, I don't know. Song. I think music can be pretty soul crushing mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, I, know. Well, I but, feel like uh, it's more soul crushing, but well, I, I think comedy is more soul crushing. I don't know. I mean, you mm-hmm. can, you can definitely like every joke can fail. Mm hmm. And, um, with music, if you fail, people will still clap for you I know. <laughs> and they'll still support yeah, it. That. Like, Oh, because they, because the music crowd is usually, they're rooting for you and they realize that mm-hmm. it takes some balls to get on stage in the yeah, first place. It's true. But, uh, 
comedy crowds are, are ruthless. I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of they will heckle you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see much heckling at music. Yeah, that's true. Shows. Unless you like heckle people back. Yeah. I did. I do this bad thing because like you're a solo artist too. So when I do solo shows, like all by myself, what I'll do is I feel like I need to banter. But like when you're like by yourself, like how do you banter? <laughs> like by yourself so you just like pick the bartender or something like that and mm-hmm. just like start talking to them and sometimes they get along sometimes they're they're kind of annoyed with it well what i try to do is say something pertaining to the song but not mm-hmm. tell people what the song yeah. is about and i see a lot of people telling people what the song is about which is generally a bad idea mm-hmm. because um if that if the people in that crowd have not had that particular experience then they're not going to relate to that song if you mm-hmm. tell them it's only specifically yeah, about that it's like mhm or, like, I like to do, like, just, like, short little snippets, like, the song's about sex. And then you, like, play the you play the song, and it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, cool, that's cool. Or it's like, song's about, like, a girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, it's like, do you, so you don't, like, tell people you typically go forward with just play the song? Uh, I, I say something that kind of relates to you know, how, how I came to write the song, mm-hmm. where I was when I was writing the song mm-hmm. or, uh, or a vague idea of what the song is about, but not yeah. specifically because, you know, I've had a song, I had a song once where I played it and it was about maybe moving away from mm-hmm. a place, but I didn't really explain what it was about. Yeah. And someone came up after and they related it to their friend passing away. Okay. So... You That's know, cool. you, they wouldn't have related to it at mm-hmm. all if I had said what it was about. That's so. mm-hmm. because, you know, that song, uh, Say Something by Great Big World. Mm-hmm. So like because like people because when they f- originally posted the song, like before, like that song, like really took off. They like saw like so many comments on like YouTube about like what the song meant to them. And so I thought that was really cool because at some point it's like you don't know. <laughs> For me, it's like, OK, it could be about a breakup. It could be about like someone you really love dying could be about like losing a friend or something like that and so i do like music that can be like interpreted in whatever way you want to yeah where a lot of times music can be straightforward and sometimes it's like that's how it naturally works like you kind of get it or like it has a certain topic but like you can make it your own it's a fine line Mm -hmm. um writing something that is something everybody can relate to yeah and writing something so vague that it's like you're pandering mm-hmm. just to try and reach a big mm-hmm. audience. Like uh, country music in Nashville. <laughs> a lot of country pop, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Did Okay, so the CMAs were just last night in town. Right. So Because every great award show is on a Wednesday night. <laughs> but um, what was it? I saw this picture. Sturgill Simpson was like busking right, outside right. the CMA. Yeah, He's, my friend got a picture with him. Yeah, yeah, okay. He was like busking. But like what made it perfect was like he he had his Grammy in his case. Yeah. That, that's what made did, Was he even nominated for an award? I don't think he was nominated for an okay. award. Yeah. I'm assuming the year before he was. Maybe. No? I mean, he. I, I don't know. I, I don't really follow the CMAs. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a country artist. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, he's always had kind of an attitude of, you know, screw the, the music business side yeah. of, of Nashville as mm-hmm. far as. Because the music business side is very specific about you have to follow these rules. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about this kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you know, which is funny since he's been finding success doing it. Well, I think music goes in cycles, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, the sound of music goes in cycles, and what people talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, right now we have this music that is super polished; like all the soul is just kind of mm-hmm. polished out of it in the studio, mm-hmm. and and um, and. Yeah, it just, uh, it, I think it's going to go back to more kind of old school sounding mm-hmm. acoustic kind yeah. of stuff. And also just what people, like, how many stories can we see in the news yeah. where crazy shit is going on? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, totally. And uh, you're just still singing your 405th love song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You totally. have to speak out about it. We're getting things. a new, like, American Idiot album, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Like, um, but yeah, uh, I just remember. Sturgill Simpson, he was just so, uh, like, out of this world. Like, I remember, like, I didn't really hear about him too much and then he performed at SNL, and then, like, you see these guys going, like, crazy on stage, and it's like, typically you don't see that, like, stage presence at, like, an SNL uh, two-song performance, but they killed it. Yeah, I mean, um, 
the whole thing with labels mm-hmm. and everything is, is kind of weird. Yeah. In, in music in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've seen people where they've been signed for years, but the label has taken the strategy of yeah. promoting really low key. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have weird things like a, like a website that doesn't have much on it. And then all of a sudden <laughs> they announce, oh, I have a full UK tour coming up. <laughs> And like you thought this guy was just like playing open mics or something and mm-hmm. they're like they've been signed. So I remember kinda... I remember the day like I learned that like like a when they says like, Yeah, I just got like this ten thousand dollar record deal or something like that. And then I realized ten thousand dollars is just a loan. Yeah, <laughs> Actually yeah. like it's a loan with anything. A lot of interest. hmm Which I feel like I remember you just think it's so funny because you hear people brag about so much as like I got this huge record deal, like ten thousand dollars. I'm like that doesn't mean anything. Uh, having a record deal kind of mm-hmm. scares me. Mm-hmm. I've had friends who, I mean, this is the horror story. Yeah. Is like, uh, you hear of big corporations mm-hmm. buying up smaller companies yeah. and the smaller company might think at the time, oh, they like our technology. They're going to mm-hmm. use it in some way. Yeah. No, they're just buying you out to get rid of the competition. Mm-hmm. So a label may have some big mm-hmm. artists they want to push and you yeah. may sound similar to them and mm-hmm. you may think you're getting a record deal, yeah. but they put you on the shelf for like four years and mm-hmm. in your contract, you can't release anything but with them. Yeah, I know. So like what happened, kind of what happened with Kesha, I guess, for a while. I don't know what, like how that ended because I thought, I remember she lost the court case, but then now she just released a new album, but... Yeah, I think she was able to negotiate out of her out of her deal, mm-hmm. but uh, obviously they made themselves look horrible by keeping her in that deal. Yeah, I would just what I would have done if I was Sony, I would just like put her with a different producer. Well, Sony, I believe, has kept that producer on, so they still mm-hmm. look horrible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty much. If, don't don't work with Doctor Luke, anyone. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> if like, you're signed to Sony, you may not have a choice. Yeah, I was like, don't sign to Sony. Just sign with. Literally anyone just else. Don't sign. Just don't. Just, yeah. Just don't sign honestly, your name anywhere. On at some anything. point, you don't need. Like honestly, I've seen so many more artists. Like the up and coming, like don't even really have labels. Yeah, you don't really need it. Um, I've. I mean, there are benefits mm-hmm. as far as opening certain doors mm-hmm. and uh, promotion and overseas and and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, I've seen people do it independently and yeah. put together their own team, mm-hmm. which would be kind of the same team a record mm-hmm. label would have. Which pretty much just making your own record label. At yeah. S- in a, a but case. just for you to work for mm-hmm. you personally. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, I feel like, yeah, it's the grassroots movement. It's obviously coming up. I do see, since I just think the boom of the internet, obviously, and music, being able to be your own music person, everything, is definitely changing the way we are doing music business. Because I know... A lot of people like are really mad about streaming and like I, Apple Music, Spotify. Honestly, I just think like we're adapt, we're gonna adapt to something new with it. Obviously, I think we're gonna adapt to not having music anymore <laughs> if we keep streaming <laughs> like, things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think well, like people are learning to record on their own now. So I feel like if we're, everyone's getting to a point where they can like record good music on their own and then they just put it on Spotify, like at some point I'm thinking like, well, is the recorded medium like not going to be as important as it used to be. Yeah, I mean, if as far as streaming, I think everyone mm-hmm. just streams to get in front of people's faces, mm-hmm. you know. But obviously, um, if you're a starving artist, mm-hmm. which the majority of artists are, <laughs> um, how do you survive mm-hmm. on a penny every ten streams True. or whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's pretty ridiculous. I think that I will I'm I'm looking at releasing my second album um early 2018 mm-hmm. and I think I'll put that on Spotify and all that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the third album, I don't think I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get a certain level of um you know, a, cer- a certain fan base, yeah. reach a certain amount of, of fans, then uh I, I think you should try to direct people to your website and steer yeah, away, that steer is, away that from that. I know, was it, people are doing that and like streaming services are buying like, all right, you're going to lease this here for 30 days mm-hmm. and then it can go everywhere else. So I don't know. I It's definitely cool to watch, but you kind of have to keep up with it at the same time. It's like seeing, working with the monster kind of, I don't know if that's the best term to describe it or being smarter than the monster. And I think that people in general just don't want to... Um, 
own as many things. Mm-hmm. I think society in general is trying to, the majority of people are trying to declutter their yeah. lives and anything digital, you know, they'd mm-hmm. rather store it in a little device or mm-hmm. have it stored somewhere else that they can access it. But, um, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, you have to balance how much you care about hurting artists mm-hmm. and, uh, you care about having a, a lower cost. I mean, me personally, I still buy CDs. Yeah. Uh, and people buy CDs at shows. Um, but yeah, when you're paying $10 a month and you have access to all your favorite mm-hmm. music, I don't know. There is like a face-to-face with shows that's easier to sell than like trying to sell your music on iTunes. Like like make a Facebook post, go buy my music on iTunes over to him. Like, hey, you want to go buy my CD? It's like five bucks, 10 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like you were like, physical right in front of you and you're like yeah i think i will buy it <laughs> i mean the problem is like everyone has a spotify subscription mm-hmm. now so yeah. you put a, you put out a new album you nah. ask people to buy it right yeah, you're just like, yeah, I'll and just, then they're uh, like oh i just immediately already have access to it why am i like, gonna yeah, pay for it i'll just listen to it on spotify yeah it's like just guilt my friends into it like oh so you're just listening to it on spotify i like i like buying like <laughs> new albums on vinyl not necessarily because I think the playback They're is... They're so freaking story. expensive. That is the problem. A lot of times... $30. Mm-hmm. I don't go past, like, 20 That's my yeah. general. Because then, like, you think the album costs $10. If you just wanted, like, the digital, then you're paying, like, up to 10 extra dollars just to have, uh, like, the physical. Because I, I do like the physical, and I like reading the books, the mm-hmm. album books. I like looking at the artwork and stuff like that, which I guess, like, people are getting... You can do see a lot of album covers, and you're just like, wow, this is kind of a lazy... Really lazy cover. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, I don't, I don't know if I have room to like say like old music had better album covers. And you see like the Beatles white album. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like the Beatles, and it's like a white cover. I think that um, the problem with a lot of modern records is they're Mm -hmm. not um, they're recorded in the studio Mm -hmm. uh, and they're mastered for digital Mm -hmm. or they're mastered for CD and they are not mastered for vinyl. Mm -hmm. So then they just throw what they've mastered for another medium onto mm-hmm. vinyl and it just doesn't sound that's why people will listen to a modern album and they'll be like it doesn't sound as good as mm-hmm. some of these old albums because the old albums were specifically mastered for vinyl i mean some mm-hmm. people yeah. go go and do that these days um but uh yeah there is an added cost to that for <laughs> the for the artist i do know in like the vinyl collecting world you have to like there's like because you find like re-releases of like thriller abbey road all re-released on vinyl but like like the trick is it's like the only albums you should buy new on vinyl are like actual new albums like you should try to find like the old ones used. Yeah. And so that may, especially if you're collecting, like I'm trying to find a copy of uh, Sergeant Pepper, which is obviously incredibly hard to find right. on vinyl. Uh, Me could find it, you just can pay a lot for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And like it's hard to buy like used vinyl online because you don't know if it's warped or anything. Mm-hmm. But like you could buy like the new one, but it's like it's not massive. Well, Nashville, I've found, is one of the worst places to oh try and gosh. find vinyl because there's so many tourists and every record store is so picked through mm-hmm. that. Um, and then if you do find a record you like, I mean, it's often, you know, 15 bucks or 20 bucks or something Mm -hmm. like that, which is not horrible, Mm -hmm. but you know, you go to any other small town Mm -hmm. anywhere and go to a record store and pick up something for three bucks. The town I went to college in, like they had, they had a record store, but it was like a used gaming shop too. in like sports memorabilia. It's all this random stuff. They had like the best, it was the best final store. I swear I've ever been to. I went there like, it was like every Friday after classes, I just like went to get final. I think the last time I was there, I bought a copy of pet sounds, beach boys, like a mint condition copy, like an old, I, mean, I spent 30 bucks on it. I'd be like, that's well worth 30 bucks for like a mint condition right. old record. But actually in in the talks of like recording and stuff like that, in the art of recording, people like, it is funny because people like the non uh, mu- music and like recording people are noticing that there is like this lack of like genuineness to albums. And so like, it's really funny because there's like, yeah, it just kind of sounds like you're looping like the same four bars over and over again. Where where it used to be when it was taped, because you just had to play those four bars over and over again. Mm-hmm. And even though they're the same bars each time, sounds like slightly different. So it did have that character in it. So yeah, I think that um, modern recording is uh, a lot of it is left to the sound engineer mm-hmm. as opposed to the artist as to how it comes yeah. out. Um, which 
I don't think is great. I mean, I don't think we should polish everything. I don't think we should have auto tune on mm-hmm. on things. And uh, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's getting uh, auto tune is like a tricky beast because it's like I'm I'm in like a weird boat with auto tune where it's like I like to do how my vocal trick is. I record four good takes of vocals then put those all together and then just fix the slight errors. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's like, I like using autotune, but I don't want to like have to go through the entire track and fix every small detail, just like the ones that slightly off, like, and then make those. So the character's still there, but then you still have that. Like, I don't like albums that sound perfect. mm -hmm. When you love an album and you listen to it over and over Mm -hmm. and you, you, there are certain mistakes in there that you can only pick up from listening to an album 50 times. Mm -hmm. And you can hear that little laugh of the other person in the room or Mm -hmm. something like that. And that makes the album better for you. You you can realize that they were Mm -hmm. actually enjoying themselves when they were recording it, you know? Yeah, I know. But my clients don't think the the same (laughs) way. That's the bad part. Like they want their tracks to sound perfect. Do you have country pop clients? um, No, I think you might actually know him. Do you know Cooper Baker? I do. Yeah. Okay. So I've been, I was producing some of his tracks. I'm uh, mixing his tracks now. That's, which is better because he's actually doing a lot better at producing. So it's like. So he's doing more stuff for. Um, he's trying TV to. TV film, yeah. Sync licensing mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. So like I'm just now I'm just mixing his stuff, which I like mix. I think it's probably a better situation because I think like when we're producing, it's like you wanted some. At some point, it was him producing, and then me just putting it, fixing it in Logic or whatever. Yeah. So but, for that kind of thing, mm-hmm. yeah, you clearly want a very polished mm-hmm. sound. Um, uh, I come from more of like a folk, yeah, kind of like punk background. So it's I funny because I like I like that little bit of roughness in it, but and he he wants he needs everything perfect. So it's like mm-hmm. so I mean like obviously I have to I help him out. Like, I just hate when um, I mean the stuff he's doing is different. He's kind of moved in more of an electronic yeah. kind of it's, it's, direction. It's good stuff. I'm like yeah. The um the stuff I'm not crazy about mm-hmm. is when people have an acoustic guitar. Like mm-hmm. I want to hear. Like and they're trying to eliminate every little thing, like a little finger slide across yeah, the string, yeah, those, or, yeah, or some little squeak. I mean, that just that makes it sound like you're actually playing the instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have this bad habit of not rec- if I ever have to record a kid's guitar, of not recording it on non squeaky chairs, and so mm-hmm. like you're playing, you're like, ee, ee, ee. <laughs> like the, in yeah, like the background of it. That like annoys me, but if it's like the finger slides, I'm like, obviously, you know, like an actual human being played the track mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah now with my recording i think i'm moving into songwriting more so i'm like now i'm just taking on like recording projects that are actually cool that's cool which is like what you should try to, that's why i'm like sticking with cooper so yeah that's why i like i really like working with him so so if he if he listens to this we know we talked about him yeah i haven't seen him in like a year even though we live in the same city we, I used know. To, we when he first came here he was playing a lot of open mics and writers mm-hmm. rounds we were playing them okay. together we moved to the city around the same time mm-hmm. so okay yeah. So you moved here June 2016? Uh, I moved here March 2016. Okay, yeah, I moved June 2016, so we're 2016ers. Cool. So we're like almost on our second year. Yeah. We're hitting close to our year and a half, so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're still new to the, I guess we're just, I I don't feel new anymore, but. We're new but we're old enough that we can make fun of the new, so we're like new, this, new people. We're like sophomores where it's like yeah. we're no longer freshmen, <laughs> but like we're not like seniors. So, But I'm I'm still playing writer's round, so maybe I'm a <laughs> freshman. I don't know. I think I've only – I think I, I do more open mics than writer's rounds, but I don't know. Open mics are good. I mm-hmm. do open mics sometimes when uh, – if I haven't played a show in a long time mm-hmm. – and I just want to get in front of an audience mm-hmm. to kind of, oh yeah, you know, get the feel for it again. Mm-hmm. Or if I have a new song that I want to try, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's good. And and I have a lot of people that go, a lot of friends who go to open mics on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just go to hang out and see them. There was an open mic in the town I went to college in, and like they let me play and they let me just kind of go on for a while because there was like this one old woman who came to all of them and she would read these poetry, like poetry about like sex, her sex life or something like that. There's like, yeah, they actually like you. Like, I was talking to my friend. So who, it's like a live therapy <laughs> session. Kind of I, I had a friend who was like, bur- was a barista there for a while, for like a couple months. And he was just like, oh yeah, that I was like wondering if like they liked me there or not. And I was like, oh yeah, they like you there. Um, Cause you, you play long enough. So the lady who reads sex poetry leaves. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, obviously open mics here are different than like, middle of nowhere Missouri mm-hmm. but so yeah things are uh, <laughs> things are interesting here um, the city is kind of uh, 
takes some getting used to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that move here and they think they're just going to make it or something <laughs> like that, which is pretty silly. I love I love seeing like things like online that are just like, how do I get my music on Spotify? I'm like, how did you move here and not have like never had anything released? That's always like amazed me because it's like typically p- people move here after they feel like they've reached the limits of like the town they were in or there are certain areas that they feel like they need to move to a I think there's some people who move here just do karaoke once and, and mm-hmm. say, oh, I got a good mm-hmm. reaction. I'm moving to Nashville. <laughs> like I booked one like random. Uh, but the weird the weird thing to me about Nashville is, um, you know, when you grow up in another city mm-hmm. and you hear Nashville, you imagine all these big country artists who came out of here mm-hmm. um, in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And so I always imagined it was kind of a popular place back in the 60s and 70s, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't. It's just now starting to, like in the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. starting to really get popular, which is Mm -hmm. weird to me. I know. And like the switch from country to real music or... (laughs) I mean... um, yeah, things are things are moving in a better direction mm-hmm. with certain with certain producers mm-hmm. and certain artists. Just so like um, the audience is, audience is knowing like blandness to their uh, like the songs you listen to, and so like they want they do want a little bit of character. Like I've been listening a lot of Bruce Springsteen, and so like you find like his older records. I'm like this actually had the energy that like Bruce does when he performs like on the record. So it's like, it's hard to do that on like a recorded medium, mm-hmm. especially now when like majority of it's overdub because you can't like afford these like, big studios where you do like the whole band at once. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think that things go in cycles, like I said, from very produced to not mm-hmm. as produced. People mm-hmm. want more of a, um, realistic sound. And I'm talking mm-hmm. mainly about like country and, and, yeah. and folk and all kinds of stuff like that, because even folk has kind of gotten out of control what they call folk. Mm-hmm. Folk these days on the radio just means like a, yeah. a ton of reverb. That's kind of <laughs> what it means. An acoustic guitar and a ton of reverb and maybe some hand claps. I remember, I feel like it was 2009, 2008. I was into like emotionalism by the Avid brothers. Still one of my favorite albums of all time. And then they released I'm loving you. And so that was when like, it felt kind of cool to like folk music because like no one else was into it except you. And so like everyone else was listening to like this random top 40 stuff. And then like you're listening to like folk music. And then all of a sudden, I think, uh, I don't know, all of a sudden, like it came out of nowhere, like folk was popular. And so that's when I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> so you're kind of like a music hipster. Kinda. Yeah, I feel like I am. I get into bands before they get famous and then or genres. And then and you just can't like them anymore. Um, I mean, I still like, I still like a lot of folk music. It's just like, I feel like every singer songwriter is weird. I feel like I'm kind of, I'm trying to say this right, but I'm kind of over the acoustic guitar in like my own music. Yeah. Me too. I haven't even heard your music, but no, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. But I don't know. It's like, cause like the singer songwriter, it's just like, okay, you got a guitar and you got a guitar, electric guitar player, maybe a keyboard player, bass, drums. And there's like that sound, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like. Coldplay-ish, but... Uh. Well, I mean, I guess a lot of it depends on the on the person's vocals, mm-hmm. the lead singer's vocals, mm-hmm. and, and how they're doing things. Um, me, my music, I don't think... I don't think I really make mainstream mm-hmm. kind of music. I don't know. My music is all over the place. I mean, I'll play, like, slow fingerpick mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and then I'll play more of, like, a... Um, bluegrassy murder ballad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then I'll play something with kind of like a soaring chorus mm-hmm. kind of singer-songwriter kind of thing. So it's all over the place, but um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. And on that note, I think we're going to take a break. Yep, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about your music a little bit more. And so don't touch that dial, anyone.
Arms hang at her sides like the boughs of a willow tree Till the rays outstretched to say, babe, come on home to me Her heart's like an ocean, too vast to swim But it's better to die trying than regret not jumping in Her heart's like an ocean, too vast to swim Heart's like an ocean, too vast to swim. But it's better to die trying than regret not jumping in. Her heart's like an ocean, too vast to swim. Her smile's a wildflower, watch out, boy, she'll take your breath away. Nothing less from the girl with the name like a holiday. Her long legs carry her graceful through the crowd as the summer breeze. Two feet above the ground, so careless and free. Heart's like an ocean, too vast to swim. But it's better to die trying than regret not jumping in. Her heart's like an ocean, too vast to swim. Her heart's like an ocean, too vast to swim. But it's better to die trying. Then regret not jumping in Her heart's like an ocean Too vast to swim So we're back from our break. And so let's talk about you, Josh, a little bit more about your music. So you moved here to Nashville last March. And where did you move here from? Uh, Maryland. Okay. Uh, is there a city in Maryland or just the whole state? The entire state. <laughs> I just took up the entire state. Actually, no. wait. Is Maryland uh, the really small, small one? Oh, no, that's Rhode Island. Yeah, Rhode Island is the real small one. Um, Maryland is uh, a decent size. I mean, smaller mm -hmm. than a lot of other states. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not big enough like Tennessee to have multiple time zones in it. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I moved down from uh, Frederick, Maryland. Okay. But I grew up in, in uh, Montgomery County, which is like 45 minutes from D.C. Okay. So did you have a lot of influence on like the D.C. scene or? Um, I didn't. I played in the D.C. DC scene a bit before mm -hmm. I left, but um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't go there a bunch. I mean, I, I grew up in Montgomery County, which has zero music scene. And yeah. I moved to the Western Maryland. Um, and uh, there's like a small music scene mm -hmm. in Frederick, Maryland. Um, the DC music scene is cool because it's uh, very multicultural. Mm -hmm. um, it's all over the place. You know, there's jazz music. There's mm -hmm. every kind of music. Mm -hmm. How big were the towns you lived in? How big were... Um, I lived in a downtown part of Frederick, which is kind of a cute little town founded in 1745. <laughs> um, they have a lot of these old row homes that have been converted into apartments Okay, and, um, they were kind of split up for multiple family use. So you have mm -hmm. one entrance on the side, one entrance in the front That's where you cool. can access different levels. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a cool little small downtown area with a lot of nice little shops and everything like that. And then the, the county is a decent size. Um, as soon as you get outside of that small downtown area, you, you just hit farms and things like mm -hmm. that. So sounds like Kansas. I'm from Kansas originally. Okay. So like the whole state is cows and wheat and I think that's all of America. 
True, that's for the true. most part. Was it like was it some people like East Coast people just think uh or New Yorkers think it's just like the South, the Midwest, California? <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess that's how I felt too. Where it's so, like they think Idaho is the Midwest, and it's like that's that's not the Midwest. <laughs> like I don't even consider like Ohio the Midwest, but I think it is. Yeah. Um yeah, I'd never uh when I first moved down here, mm-hmm. that was the first time I'd been in Nashville. Like really? I just, okay. I just drove down here. I had eight days to find a place. <laughs> I didn't know anybody in the city, mm-hmm. and I just found a. That's how you do. Found it. a spot. That's how most. So I feel like I did. I just like moved. I just moved. Uh, no money, and I just moved for some reason with no money. That like the smart thing to do. It is smart. So yeah, I like moved down here, and uh, I found an apartment online. Be like, just I just need a place to live. <laughs> Apartments are the worst. Thing mm-hmm. to try and search for, mm-hmm. oh. because the only time people leave reviews are when they have a problem. Yeah, so it's like, do I go to this one that has forty-five bad reviews, or do I go to the one that has seventy-six bad reviews? Mm-hmm. And I, that there is a sense with reviews, it's like, how much of this do I trust? But uh, sometimes they're good, some they're not. Like most of the time, Amazon does are decent. Like if you're trying to look for something, mm-hmm. so but uh, but apartments, yeah, that's they're always just bad if they're. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like. I like where I am now. I'm in uh, Hillsboro. Okay. Um, and I moved to that side of town because it it's kind of the singer songwriter area, mm-hmm. like Midtown, and yeah. that's where all the singer songwriter venues are. Um, I've started playing more with a band recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're called Josh Gray and the Dark Features. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. East Nashville is the hip hip area yeah. to be in, but. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm even paying less in in Hillsboro. I got really lucky, so I don't okay. know. Okay, that's awesome. I and I just hate moving. I, even oh, even I, if it's just right across the city, oh, I just I hate absolutely moving. hate. I lived in the same. All my friends in college, like they moved to like a different apartment every year. I literally lived. I had dorms my first year, and then the same apartment the next three years. Like I wanted to, I wanted to live by myself. I was in like a three bedroom apartment with two other friends, and like they graduated a year before me. I was like, uh, I really want to live by myself. I don't want to move. Okay, well, let me just find two new roommates. Yeah, I moved here in twenty in uh, March twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. and I still have two boxes in my apartment I have not unpacked. Oh, jeez. So. <laughs> oh, wow. At some point, at some point, like you just have junk boxes. I have that in like the closet behind you. Yeah. So it's just like that. Like you just like you don't really have a place for them, but you need to know where they are when you need something out at of it. At some point, you just got to take it to McKay's and trade it all in, right? Mm-hmm. Just get like it, just, get out. It's like, we can't take buy any couch. of this. Well, can you just take it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't need it. I'm just, well, I'm leaving, I'm and I'm not taking this with me. At some point, I try to, like, not keep things I don't need, and then I do. And then you just find, like, broken guitar pedals, like, that are beyond repair. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. So let's go back on topic. I go off off topic all the time. That's cool. And so, Maryland, and so when did you start playing music as a kid? Uh, I got a guitar when I was 16, mm-hmm. um, and I just played. I taught myself how to play, okay. and uh, just played for myself and wrote lyrics for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've only been playing live for about two and a half years, three years okay. at this point. Wow, that's cool. Um, so, and how old are you now? I'm 35. 35. Okay. Wow. Yeah. You look you look good for 35. Appreciate it. Stop hitting on me. It's <laughs> not what I came here for. Uh, <laughs> That's perfect. But but, uh, but yeah. So you know, I waited a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't satisfied with my lyrics or my yeah. um, or my guitar playing. So mm-hmm. the two had to line up before I felt comfortable. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, you go to a lot of open mics and you see people subjecting the audience to their practice time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I didn't want to do that to the audience. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be happy with it before I put it out there. So I know in the, I know in the Midwest, it's very like your practice when you're like first starting out, if you play in like church, <laughs> like your church worship band or something like that. And and that's why they're all terrible mm-hmm. it's because like people don't know how to play their instrument yeah. or have no musical bone in their body and don't have like the right, can't strum. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, op- open mics are are fun. I mean, they're a great place to uh, to meet people, to make friends. To uh, a lot of the people that I'm playing with now are people that I met at mm. open mics here. Yeah, people I share shows with now because you, if you're at an open mic, you're at a certain level in your music career. Mm-hmm. 
And so you're meeting other people who are at that same level Mm -hmm. and you kind of help each other out. Mm -hmm. At some point, yeah, I've learned something about, at least in like a, like in an entertainment industry type mind, you need to change your mindset from, it's like, what can you do to help me to what can I do to help you Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so I've actually found my mindset when you change that mindset, like you find like you're moving forward more with your career than like wanting, expecting people to do everything for you. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe in karma, Mm -hmm. but it does come back to you. I feel, I believe in that. Like my name is Earl karma. Oh yeah. Like, you you know, it's like, it's not like a religious thing, but like you should try to do good things to people because that might happen. I mean, I just think that if you surround yourself with good people, good mm-hmm. things will happen. If you surround yourself with bad mm-hmm. people, bad things will happen. Or, oh. or they're more likely to happen. Mm-hmm. The, your percentage oh, yeah. raises. But um, I, fe- I think people feel a natural sense of reciprocation. Mm-hmm. If you book them for a show, then in somewhere in the back of their mind, mm-hmm. they're going to feel a little bit of guilt and mm-hmm. to where they're going to be pushed to book you for something later yeah, on. Yeah, and that's why all these alumni networks like at Berkeley and like, uh, Belmont, they kind of work is because you're friends with these people. And so you kind of feel like you owe each other something because you're working together over like people who like me who went to a really small school and then was like, moved to Nashville. I don't know anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll go out there. So did you go to college? Yeah, I did some college. Okay. Did, what'd you study? Uh, computer repair, website design, stuff okay. like that. So a real degree, not a music degree. Not a music degree. Did you ever think about studying music? No. Um, because I love music and, um, (laughs) and that's why I don't want to turn it into something that would feel like academic or Mm -hmm. like work. Yeah. I, cause I went to, I went to school for music and I'm thinking like, if I really didn't love this, I would have quit. Like, so it's like, like the only reason why, if anyone makes it out with a music degree, it's cause they really love it. And if they don't make it out with a music degree and they're still doing music, it's cause they actually do love it. Yeah. I mean, as far as how I approach guitar mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff, I'm self-taught. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I made a conscious de- decision. Um, the way you get good at an instrument, mm-hmm. the way people typically get good at an instrument is by learning cover songs. Yeah. That- um, you just it advance so mm-hmm. much faster. But I made a conscious decision not to do that. Okay. Because I had a fear that I would subconsciously pick up someone else's playing style okay. by playing their song. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't do a ton of covers, mm-hmm. but if you do hear me do a cover, I'm going to do it in my own way. And yeah. I'll typically change chords and change the way it's sung a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like the of, I don't know. Yeah, because typically, yeah, you do learn covers. Now, especially if you think about like classical musicians, like they have to learn their Schumann and they have to learn their Handel and all that stuff. And like that's part of their curriculum and even if you don't want to do that you just should actually learn that to help you make your own performing style a little bit better but I, I think that no matter what um you will pull something mm-hmm. from other people's style mm-hmm. even if you don't learn to cover that song mm-hmm. just by hearing it yeah. it's going to be in your mind mm-hmm. when you play something but the thing that is great about playing an instrument um and just teaching yourself is that you stumble onto things mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, I can do this now. Like, uh, that's just in general, even if you do practice covers or, or whatever you do with an instrument, if you, you may be practicing one thing one day and you're like, Oh, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, five months later you just try it again, even though you mm-hmm. weren't practicing that particular thing, yeah, something else you were practicing prepared you or taught you how to do that thing that you were trying for before and all of a sudden you just realize you're like oh i can do this now it's it's i remember many times in a co-write i've like i went halfway through the song then i realize oh wait this is i'm just rewriting like one the last one i can remember i I almost rewrote stacy's mom Mm -hmm. like the i the it's like uh the at least the like dun 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 well there's that there's that great scene from uh Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> yes, way back. I know that scene. Yeah, he yeah. rewrites, uh, or he the, rewrites um, <laughs> like the Meow Mix uh, theme or something. 
Yeah. And he's like, like devastated. And then like his, he's like, cause he's like so dead set to finally like do something like individual and like he does the Meow mix. Uh, he just rewrites that song. He's playing like this Dean guitar too. It's yeah. like that makes, that cracks me up. Like me personally, that whole, cause that shows all about like not expecting anything, but still being disappointed. <laughs> so that show, yeah, that show is great. I, that that's needs to be on my Netflix list of rewatches. <laughs> I actually just got rid of my Netflix. Ooh, how, yeah. how was how was that? I've been thinking about getting rid of my TV mm-hmm. in general. Um, I've been thinking about these songwriters from the '60s and '70s, and you look back at them, and they're so prolific. Mm-hmm. And um, you think to yourself, why is that? Mm-hmm. And it's because they just didn't have so many freaking distractions in their yeah. life. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to watch less. I'm also trying out this new service called Filmstruck. I don't know what I'm plugging them on here, but that's cool. <laughs> uh, Filmstruck is the, and they have the entire Criterion collection okay. of movies. So it's a lot of old classic films from, cool. from all over um, the world. Uh, so I don't know. That stuff interests me. I feel like I can, it's somewhere in between a book and like a bullshit movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like it's more educational watching a classic film with classic, well-written dialogue where mm-hmm. they where they didn't have to rely on CG or they couldn't mm-hmm. rely on CG. So. Oh yeah, true. Like those those classic ones. I remember the the old BBC Chronicles of Narnia before they really mastered CGI, and it was just like really. It was kind of bad. I love those movies that are so bad. It's kind of funny, like the effects and uh, stuff like that. I love. There's a sh- show called uh, something five. I can't remember what it was. It was on Netflix, but it was so funny. It was like if Hitler took place in the seventies and like five spies had to go fight him, and like hmm. they made it bad on purpose. It was, it was, it was a ride. But <laughs> anyways, and so let's get back to you. And so you're working on a new album right now. Then yep. So awesome. So uh, but without like going too far give us a little like taste of what it's about and like what are your what are you drawing from and um it's so i'm starting to play outside of the city more okay um and starting to go on these little short little tours mm-hmm. um so it is going to be primarily all the songs are going to have some theme of being on the road okay or being away from uh from your home Mm-hmm. So, um, the difference between this and my first album is my first album was just me playing an acoustic guitar live. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this one is going to be a uh, full band. Okay. So, um, there may still be one or two songs that are kind of solo, but, okay. um, but yeah, there's going to be all kinds of different songs on there. Story songs. Um, I try to, on every album, at least have one or two songs um, about something, an issue that I really care about, mm-hmm. like a social social issue. Um, so there will be that as well. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. I kind of have enough songs for it right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not. Not every song that I have that wasn't on the last one is gonna make it to this new mm-hmm. one. So. Do you feel like you have you feel like uh, you finished writing the songs for it? I have eight songs that I'm working on right now, mm-hmm. and um, and I need two or three more. Mm-hmm. So, but there are certain ones in these new ones that I'm working on that I feel are so good that yeah. I, I want them on the album. But the problem is by the time I finish those, I'm going to have five new ones that I started that I'm yeah. going to really want on the album. So at some point I have to make a decision mm-hmm. and, and figure it out. I feel like there's a point when you're like trying to make a whole project, like an album or EP like that. There's a point where you feel like you feel a good closure with like the songwriting process. Do you have that feeling? Well, the pressure is, um, that the second album is typically more important than the first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people think the first album is is important, but w- what I've heard said is, yeah, that was a great first album, yeah. but let's see, but to tell if someone is a really a good songwriter, mm-hmm. you look at their second album. Because their first album yeah. is like everything great they wrote 
from the time they started writing until the time they released mm. that first album. And then their second album is when they've already used all their best material on their first album mm-hmm. and they're forced to actually write new things. Mm-hmm. So, but I think my writing has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there are songs that I wrote in the past where I've condensed the entire previous song down into a single verse in a new song. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to, when I, when I write songs, you know, the guitar is the canvas Mm. and, and songwriting is the main focus. Mm. And, uh, I'm trying to write more poetic in some songs. Mm -hmm. Um, Leonard Cohen is a big influence for me and, uh, Dylan Towns Van Zant, a lot of those old, um, Texas songwriters. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm trying to read more poetry. I'm trying to fill mm-hmm. my brain with interesting things. So, I've been E. e. Cummings. Have you been checking him out? <clears throat> I think he's probably I, my favorite, but I haven't read much mm-hmm. of his stuff. You can tell it's him because it's all lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> it's some, it's some, it's some cool. That's my favorite poet. But I try to like whenever I'm influenced by someone, I I try mm-hmm. to look up what that, who that person was interested mm-hmm. in, who who influenced them. Um, and sometimes those people that influence them are even better. Yeah. Not all the time, but, mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes. A lot of times, you know, it's good to go, you know, you don't, when you want to listen to blues music, you don't listen to rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? That is like, true. Like you, you got to trace it back and, and see what that music was like when it wasn't run through the filter, through five mm-hmm. other filters. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Before it was in like Pro Tools or... Well, I just mean the filters of people. Oh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you have the original guy who wrote this heartbreaking song. Yeah. And then you have these five white guys who <laughs> who like had completely different life experiences. Mm-hmm. Back um, when like music was like who segregated. Interp- who interpreted, you know, that music. So I feel like that's something I always forget. I probably just because I'm white, but like that music used to be segregated just like everything else back like in like the early ni- uh, 1900s mm-hmm. and like going forward. But like you forget that like, yeah, a lot of Elvis's songs like <laughs> were not. Yeah, like, Elvis. Uh, yeah, Elvis didn't start rock and roll. Sorry. To, yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. To, sorry to break it to you, mm-hmm. Memphis. But, uh, you know, <laughs> he's a good performer. Like, he's he, a good performer. He's he's good. A, he's, he, he had a good sound. Mm-hmm. He had a good sound, but yeah, I feel like. But I'm not paying sixty dollars to get into his museum, so I'm sorry. <laughs> is that how much? What's it's, that it's, Graceland uh, or? Yeah, and you know, I feel like I should go there at some point. But I went down to Memphis, and I went everywhere else. I went to the uh, National Civil Rights Museum, and it was okay. awesome. It was one of the best museums I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the prices to get into Graceland are uh, pretty insane. Jeez, I mean it. They have different packages. I think some packages go up to like three hundred a person or something like that. I'm just like saying, if I'm gonna spend three hundred dollars at a museum, I'd be like, I better see the toilet he died on. Like, yeah, to be I, honest, I think you're gonna see his ghost, and his ghost like, is yeah, gonna I better. I, his ghost he, will play you a song. His ghost better kill me. Like, <laughs> was like, if I'm gonna spend forty dollars on a haunted house, I better die. That's yeah. so why, like, I bought a thirty dollar Christmas tree last year. I'm like, I'm gonna put it up in November. I paid thirty bucks for it, <laughs> something like that. Like, I don't care what you think, uh, how festive you are. But yeah, I've always wanted to go to Graceland ever since I was young. But you should my, go; it's not far away. I know. Yeah, now that I don't live far, but yeah, my parents were always lame. I have some friends; they took their ten-year-old daughter to New York and like took her to, like tons of Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what cool parents do. Like she's 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 well, what the bullies New, are. Why well, go to New York Broadway when you can go to Nashville Broadway? <laughs> <laughs> why 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 go to some nice theater in New York than when you can just go to Tootsie's? Yeah. Or, um, yeah, and then my parents, like, the probably they took me to, like, Abraham Lincoln's childhood home. I mean, I like seeing a lot of these old historic historic mm-hmm. places. Um, there's I know, a, but, like, you don't think, like, what's the best vacation your parents ever took you on? Yeah. <laughs> Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln. But also when you're a little kid, you don't really appreciate those things yeah, as well. Was like, like, there's no, like, like, slide at Abraham Lincoln's home. I know. Well, you, you I know? mean, kind of, but. But, uh. Yeah, I mean, I like I like seeing this old uh, historic stuff. I have a, mm-hmm. I have a cool old book, or not mm-hmm. old book, but a cool book that I want to um, I want to take this trip sometime. It's called Blues Traveling. Mm-hmm. I think this guy, I think he lives down in Mississippi, somewhere in Mississippi, and he wrote this. But um, essentially, it's a book that um, highlights places that were mentioned in blues songs. Some of these cafes are still around. Mm. It highlights. Um, 
some like gravestones where yeah. famous blues guys were were oh, buried. Oh, that's and really stuff like cool. That. Yeah, really. That uh, sounds really cool. A lot of cool history. Yeah, I, I, that's something. I'd there's a little. Cool. There's a little blues museum in uh, in Memphis that is pretty mm-hmm. cool as well. And Memphis so. is blues, and I guess it's moving to hip hop now. And blues, hip hop, jazz, and not good barbecue. Well, I'm not touching that. Kansas City. I'm near from Kansas City, so it's like <laughs> everyone here is like, oh, the barbecue is actually pretty good here. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> well, Nashville is known for hot chicken, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll take hot. I like hot chicken. My body doesn't like hot chicken. Nobody's body likes hot chicken. It's just a, it's some macho nonsense. You're just like, I know. It's, a, it's like, a tourist thing. It's like, oh, I have three days to visit Nashville. I want to ruin a full day of it. I want to ruin my digestive system. Yeah. And yeah, I know. I've always like regretted getting hot chicken, but you kind of have to do it. You live here now. I almost feel like the different spice levels are bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like it's all like super hot and on the mild one, they just put like a little bit less <laughs> on there. They're just like, yeah. yeah, give them one spoon instead of five spoons. <laughs> I actually think Mexican food in Nashville is actually pretty good. Yeah. Like from like, other things, I feel like I'm that's still looking to find places. I'm sure there's some great places hidden on uh, Nolansville Pike. I'm sure. Oh yeah, Nolans. I love no. There's one. There's some great Indian food on Nolansville mm-hmm. Pike. There's. Have you heard? Have you been to Baja Burrito? I have. Okay, that's my favorite place. Oh yeah, I love. I mean, there's. Uh, Nashville has. Uh, I don't know. It's easy to. I've gained weight since coming down here for yeah. sure. Um, you know, you should just say you're from the Midwest because then you're like. You know, <clears throat> You're always 15 pounds overweight. Yeah. Like, it's just, you'd be like, I'm from the West. I think I'm like 20 now. I'm I'm always 15 pounds overweight, so. (laughs) But, uh, you know, when you got, like, croissant donuts and um, mac and cheese, grilled cheese, Mm -hmm. and uh, just all this ridiculous stuff, and then then it's 99 degrees outside, you don't want to go outside and exercise. I feel, I still feel like it's not, hasn't gotten to a temperature I like yet. Like, it's been like. you might have to move. Yeah, I feel like I made. A, I might move to New York. <laughs> Better like I mean, it's like uh, I really like Nashville, but it was just hot all the time. The winter when I moved from Maryland here in Maryland, we got uh, like twenty six inches in one day. <laughs> Jeez, it's pretty insane. If if that happened here, I mean, this city mm-hmm. would shut Burp. down for like two three weeks. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I remember like it didn't really snow in the in the year. I guess we've been here. And so it's like last year it was like maybe a half inch of snow and it was gone by the afternoon. And I remember I was at like Trader Joe's and like peep, like the bread was all gone. And I was just like. People have to make those milk sandwiches, you know. I know. I was like, where where the hell is all the bread? And then like I get ready to check it. I was like, you stocking up for the snow? I'm like, oh, there's snow? I'm like, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So I've had like weeks off of classes from like snow, like That's in college. Insane. That's insane. In college where they like never cancel classes for snow. Well, here, I mean, you have different problems here. When I first moved here, one thing I was conscious of was the flood in 2010. Oh. So I was like, I don't want to get a ground level apartment because of the, mm-hmm. you know, a f- flood. But so I'm on the second level now. And then, um, you know, the week after moving here, there's like tornado warnings. I'm like, oh, I'm screwed mm-hmm. either way. This is great. Well, yeah. And then I'm from Kansas. So I'm, I'm not really scared of tornadoes. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of, well, there's like this picture. I saw this guy on Facebook. It was like, there's a tornado, huge tornado in the background. This guy's just like mowing his lawn. Yeah. And he's I think like, the caption somewhere. guy says, I'm keeping an eye on it. Yeah. <laughs> there was like, that was somewhere in Canada, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like, I was just like, that looks like Kansas. Like, like no one is too worried. Everyone's like, uh, if it gets close, you get in the basement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I've gotten with tornadoes, and mm-hmm. it's not good. Like, I was just— yeah, uh, like, way too chill with tornadoes. Yeah, I was just like, they're like, a tornado warning. Everyone's, like, freaking out. I'm, like, waiting in the t- Taco Bell drive through I'm like, mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, I, I know, like, because was just, like, in here, not every house has a basement. And so, like, you're looking around, like, is there a basement here? Yeah, explain that to me. So why in these um, states where there are so many tornadoes, not that there's a lot of tornadoes in Tennessee, but why in a lot of these states where there's a lot of tornadoes are there not basements? I'm not sure. Well, A lot of them are, like, ranch homes, right, with like out bas- without basements? I'll say this. In Ka- I can speak for Kansas, Missouri. Uh-huh. So I've lived there, like, both half my life. Uh the um, pretty majority of those houses have basements. Okay, <laughs> like, good. So Kansas, Kansas is good. I'm I'm gonna vouch for Oklahoma too. Come, they they get way worse tornadoes. Yeah, because so, it would be ridiculous to not have a basement. Mm-hmm. If, like uh, yeah, like my 
So my parents decided instead of buying a two-story house instead of like like an unfinished basement where you just put storage, what they decided to do is just get like a one-story house with a basement and then just pay to finish the basement. That way, like if there is like a tornado, uh, they're they're chill. <laughs> yeah. It's like they can still watch TV or until <laughs> the power goes out. Yeah. But like, yeah, um, Midwest, like, if the house doesn't have a basement, it's a lo- it's like a pretty cheap house. Like, mm-hmm. and the most I'll I'll say about seventy five percent are finished. So that's just a Midwest thing. So here, that's why I was so weird. It's like, why aren't there that many houses with basements here? Yeah. So and well, the weather's changing, mm-hmm. and uh, so now that might be well, global warming is a myth created uh, by the yeah. Chinese. Yeah, totally. <laughs> created by the Chinese, <laughs> and we all just fell for it. All ninety eight percent of every scientist ever. Mm-hmm. So let's see. So we're nearing the end of our show. I do like to ask everyone one final question to make my life a little bit better. Do you have any good drinking stories? I don't have any good drinking stories. No. Okay. So someone's <laughs> trying to act better than me. And so if that's all good, then uh, we Ask can- Ask me something else. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any come good with, uh, drug some, stories? I don't have any good drug stories. Okay. So- Come with something sex else. Sex stories? You got <laughs> Not on the podcast. Okay. Well, anyway, so we'll just end the episode here and then disappoint everyone. Listen to my uh, listen to my songs for all of those stories mm-hmm. and more. Okay. And so where can they check all your music out at? Joshgraymusic.com. Okay. And uh, you're on all the streaming sites, I'm assuming, like you've talked about. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm all on mm-hmm. the streaming sites. So Facebook. you know I'm not getting paid. So buy my album. So Facebook, Twitter too, Instagram. Uh, yep, all those. Pornhub? No. Okay, so no Pornhub. No Reverb Nation. <laughs> God, I hate Reverb Nation. Mm. I, I have an account, and they. I'm keep on SoundCloud. Si- I'm on SoundCloud too. Podcast <laughs> is actually on SoundCloud. Yeah, but it makes sense for the podcast. I feel like, and then I put like my like mixing resume type song on SoundCloud, but like not like a my actual like music, yeah. more like examples. But uh, anyways, so we're gonna end the show there. Uh, he's Josh Gray is not on Porthub, and so. Uh, Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Schwedcast. Go check out Josh's music. Josh, hope you have find success and hope we can get our music off Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. And so in the meantime, uh, make sure you all stay awesome. Casting.